Well, good morning, church. God is on the move, and we are excited to be a part of God's movement uh, in the world and in a, with a bunch of people called Methodist. And here at Mount Horeb, we began this series last week on the book of Acts. And as you think about the book of Acts, it is the uh, uh, book immediately after the four Gospels. It is written by Luke, the author of Luke, and also Acts. And some have described the book of Acts as the Acts of the Early Church, or I love this title, the Acts of the Ambassadors of the Early Church. But I believe ultimately the book of Acts is about the Acts of God. It's where we see God acting as Trinity, the Heavenly Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all present in the book of Acts. Last week, Trevor did a great job uh, kicking us off in this room, speaking about the Holy Spirit, the power behind the movement of God. And this morning, we want to talk about the purpose uh, behind the movement of God. I've been reading a book, and I'm going to have a couple quotes from it today, but it's called Acts and the Movement of God by Steve Addison. And it's a, not a deep theological book, but it's a very practical book about how God is moving today just like God moved in the book of Acts, because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if you're able, would you stand as we read together uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, along with Cephas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because what we've done, we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do, do you want to know how he was healed? It's a great question, isn't it? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, may you take the reading of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, move across this audience, across those watching online. And Lord, we pray that as you move among us, that we will invite you to move in us and that through your Holy Spirit, we'll be captured to be part of a, your movement that is changing the world. So, Lord, we invite you to move here today. Lord, move through me and fill me with your Holy Spirit to be bold. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to give you several words in looking at the idea of movement 
the movement of God. And the first thing I wanna say to you is to be a part of the movement of God, you need to be called, called by God. Called by God to be a part of his movement. Peter and John were called by Jesus to be disciples. And I believe that Luke is writing the book of Acts with you in mind, with the next generation in mind, with this current generation in mind. In mind. He's inviting us to step into God's movement. He's inviting us to be called into God's movement. And what he did in Acts, what God did in Acts, he's doing all over the world. I, I love this statement. This Acts is not how, this is, this is not how it was. This is how it can be. This is how it can be. What we read here today is not just a history lesson. This is how it can be today and is going on in parts of our world. So what is the purpose of the book of Acts? What are we called to? We are called to take the word, the word, the word of God, the good news about Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection to the entire world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in our power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Peter and John in the early church were called into a pre-Christian world, a world that had never heard about Jesus Christ. And because they were obedient, and because the Holy Spirit filled them with power, in a few years, this new movement changed the world, spread all across the world, including the Roman Empire. And today, right now, 2023, you and I are called to be a part of God's movement to take Jesus Christ into a post-Christian world. They went into a pre-Christian world. You and I are being invited, called to go into a post-Christian world. Now you see, what is a post-Christian world? I believe the world that we live in, the culture we live in, recognizes Christian ideas and generally follows watered-down Christian values, but rejects Christian ethics and does not have a Christian worldview where we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, where we love our neighbor as ourselves, A world that wants the convenience of Christ, but not a commitment to Christ. That's the world we're called to go into and share how Jesus Christ, a commitment to him, has changed our lives. I believe post-Christianity is the opportunity for real Christianity, for us to share what Christ is doing in our lives. I love these words from 2 Timothy when Paul wrote these, this, this letter to young Timothy. He says, be ready to spread the word. Whether or not the time is right, point out errors, warn people, and encourage them. Be very patient when you teach. A time will come when people will not listen to accurate teaching. Instead, they will follow their own desires and surround themselves with teachers that tell them what they want to hear, a post-Christian world. People will refuse to listen to the truth and turn to myths, but you, you must keep a clear mind in everything, endure suffering, do the work of a missionary, devote yourself completely to your work, being a part of God's movement. Steve Addison in his book has this quote. He says, God will abandon any religious institution that rejects the authority of his word, that resists the Holy Spirit, that retreats from the core mission of the movement and there are no shortage of examples in the Western world of once dynamic movements that are now monuments. God is not calling us to be part of a monument. God is calling us to be part of a movement where God is active and transforming people's lives. You're gonna be called into a movement. We're inviting you today to be a part of God's movement 
in the world right now. Now, when you answer the call into this movement, and some of you know this firsthand, is there's going to be confrontation. There's going to be confrontation. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be pushback. When Peter and John were speaking, they got resistance from the religious leaders. You know, we don't get much confrontation when we're not speaking. If we stay silent, we're not going to get much confrontation. But it says here a mob of probably close to 100 people, priests, temple guards, some of the Sanhedrin, rose up against two disciples, disturbed that they were preaching that through Jesus' name, there is resurrection of the dead. My friends, we have the same message today, that we proclaim that through Jesus Christ, there is resurrection, there is transformation, that when someone dies in the faith, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they have the hope of eternal life. And, and if, if we're believers and they're believers because of our hope in Jesus Christ, we're gonna see them again. They're not just going to a, to a hole in the ground. They're being prepared for all of eternity. And that's what we believe in the resurrection of the dead. But we also believe that resurrection power has the power to transform any life. Uh, and what's shocking to these religious leaders is they're saying this through the name of Jesus who they crucified on a cross. You know, you can't, he can't, he can't have done this miracle that they're being accused of being a part of because this Jesus, we, we saw him dead. We, we, the Romans, they crucified him. But these disciples, Peter and John, knew that Jesus Christ had resurrected. I would say to us, when it comes to confrontation, if you don't step out, you won't, you won't encounter much confrontation, but you also won't find out what God can do when you find yourself in confrontation. When you step out, God will step in and God will be a part of what he's called you to do. You know, you can constrain the message, but you cannot control the message. God's message is wide open going to the world and he invites us to be a part of it. Uh, Steve Addison tells this story, uh, really touched me. The story of a husband and wife missionary pastors, Peter and his wife Sang, who went into a small Asian nation uh, under communist rule. And in the village they were in, they met a leader named Daw, D-A-W. And they led Daw to Christ. And, and, and his, the, the change in his life was dramatic. He gave up drinking and says he stopped beating his wife. And his wife was so impressed with that that she became a Christ follower too, which drew the attention of everyone in the village. And this pastor modeled for Daw how to share the gospel, how to baptize people in the name of Jesus, how to start discipleship groups. And then 11 families, 166 people believed and were baptized by Daw, who became the leader of the new church. Now, as this movement spread from person to person and village to village, so did the confrontation. So did the government opposition. The local governor arrested and imprisoned seven elders of the church. One of the leaders was put in jail four different times and during the, one of those imprisonments, they fractured his skull. Then the killings began. One believer was shot dead in front of his young daughter. Another believer was beheaded. Then Daw, his wife and child were taken and they were never seen again. Now, some churches struggled in the midst of that opposition but others continued to, the gospel and continued to plant new churches into unreached villages and in three years, there were about 5,000 believers in 100 churches because God stepped into the confrontation and showed his power. You know, it was a new movement of God and these new disciples paid a great price 
But I love what Steve Addison says. He says, the greatest defense of the gospel is that it's worth dying for. And the question is today, do we believe that? Do we believe that the greatest defense of the gospel is that it's worth dying for? That I will give my life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gave his life for me, number one. And number two, my eternal life is taken care of. I know what's gonna happen when I die. That's a challenge for us in this world. Most of us won't face violent persecution. And I say this now, and, and I, yet, we don't face violent persecution yet. And we all need the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome the fear of rejection. When we need the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome the fear of being ridiculed for our faith. And we need to pray for obedience and boldness. I want you to hold on to the word boldness. We need to pray for boldness. We need to be bold for Jesus Christ. To take a bold step and offer to pray with someone in need right there in the moment. I know that's risky and that's, uh, you might get rejected. The other day I was in a restaurant and uh, I was with Trevor and Michael and you know, the Lord just said to me, do this. And so I'd seen this waiter uh, before at one of my favorite restaurants and he seemed to, you know, be a little bit, you know, addled. And so we were getting ready to pray over the meal. So I asked him, I said, uh, hey, we're getting ready to pray. And is there anything I can pray with you about? And uh, he said, yeah. He says, me and the, the hostess here are getting ready to get married. <laughs> and uh, he was really nervous about that. So I said, well, bring her. So he invited her over and we prayed for them right there. I don't think the, the, the hostess was as excited about the prayer as, as, uh, as the waiter was. With that said, it was that moment, right? I, I know that God planted a seed uh, in, in their life and, and maybe perhaps God planted a seed as they begin their marriage together. Take a bold step and pray with someone right there in need. Share, share a story from the life of Jesus and ask a person what they think about it. Learn a simple gospel outline and invite someone to read the Bible with you. There's a good chance if you ask 100 people, 99 may reject you. And that's bad news. But the good news is if you ask 100 people, someone might say yes and receive Christ into their life. We need to pray for boldness when it comes to the fear of rejection and the fear of ridicule. There's always going to be confrontation. I, uh, I shared this story last week in staff and I thought I'd shared it before. They said, no, you never shared that story. So maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. But when I was in college, we were part of a singing group, and this singing group was uh, called Faith Incorporated. We played some music a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, we were traveling around the country and doing stuff, the southeastern part of the country and doing stuff. Anyway, uh, this particular weekend, I was at campus, and uh, for whatever reason, it felt like everybody was gone. Oh, there we are right there, so hold that thought there for a minute. Uh, so, we, so we had these little cards made up, and, uh, but anyway, uh, so, so we're, I'm there, it seems like nobody's on campus, and I'm in the dorm, and I go down, and uh, the restroom, you know, back in the day, you had to go down somewhere to do that stuff. Anyway, uh, come back to the room. When I come back to my room, there's a satanic pentagram stuck on my door. You know, and I go, that's a little bit odd, you know. And so I take it off and I go in my room and kind of chill a little bit. Uh, and then in a few minutes, it, it, somebody slid a piece of paper under my door. And uh, uh, I looked at it and it was a, it was a uh, something like, looked like Egyptian hieroglyphics on it, all these little figures and stuff. I go, that's not good. So then I locked my door and I slid my desk against my door. Uh, and uh, 
I figured something was going on here. And then a few, then like two days later, I go to my post office box and this little uh, thing is in my, in my box. You probably don't recognize me there because of the sun in, but anyway. But uh, somebody had drawn Satan over my picture, right? The devil was, you know, and I'm going like, this is not good. And so I go to class, uh, religion class, and the professor is from India. And I give him the little uh, hieroglyphics and say, can you, what does this mean? And he looks at it and spends a few minutes. He says, I think what it means is there's a satanic group on campus and they've targeted you. And on the next full moon, they're gonna be having one of their gatherings and you're the target, you know? <laughs> okay, you know? So does that mean like they're going, they got that little doll and they're gonna be sticking pins in it? Yeah, I don't know what that means, you know? But I do know that on that weekend of that full moon that our singing group was scheduled to be in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania sharing the gospel at a high school retreat. And I shared that story of what was going on at the very moment back in my university town. And that night, about 300 kids gave their life to Christ. It was a powerful night. And at the end, God said, see, I win. God always wins, amen? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in us. So we give God the credit for that. I got bold, and after I, after I unlocked the door and slimmed the desk away, I got bold and went out and shared the gospel. You know, when God moves, there's going to be confrontation, but also when God moves, there is clarity. I love what uh, Peter says in response to the questions from the religious leaders, verse 10. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Christ, Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And then in verse 12, Peter says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Clarity in the movement of God. There is no one by which we are saved except through Jesus Christ. The method may change, but the message never changes. Messengers may change, but the message doesn't change. This room, this service is a different method to present the gospel, a different worship service, but it's the same message. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had the first gathering of the South Carolina Global Methodist Church. We had close to 600 people in this room, and then we had the first ordination service of pastors in the Global Methodist Church in South Carolina. And on top of that, we had the first ever contemporary ordination service for pastors in the Methodist movement in North America. I mean, and Bishop Jones commented on that. You know, it was the very first ever uh, ordination that was contemporary. But guess what? It was the same message, that God has called you as pastors to go and spread the good news of Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection, and go and take this message to the whole world in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That message has not changed and will not change if we stay in the movement of God. There's clarity in the movement of God. You know, the Wycliffe Bible translators have a great ministry making the Bible available, the word of God available to all people in all languages. And it's really neat. I read this this week, how they're using all these new tools of technology to accelerate the work of bringing the gospel, the word of God to communities all over the world. They're using new technology like Starlink satellites that provide stable internet in the remote, remote parts of the world. They're using Render software, which is a software that does oral Bible translation and is icon-based rather than word-based. And then they have this fascinating AI software they're using called Chameleon. Because if you're gonna be a Wycliffe Bible translator uh, in a place where 
like Dahl in Southeast Asia, uh, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be arrested and you're going to be likely put to death. But Wycliffe has this program called Chameleon that will take the uh, video and change the uh, appearance of the translators that are presenting the gospel so that the people can't, be, can't arrest them, can't find them because they've changed the way they look. So it's taking what seems impossible and God making it possible. Uh, you know, in the movement of God, the word of God clearly spreads. In Acts, the word of God multiplies. The word spreads and results in new converts, new disciples, and new churches. At Mount Hoare, we wanna be clear about the word of God and what we believe about the word of God. We have clarity, but we also have compassion. In this story, and you gotta gotta go back to chapter three, is where you catch uh, what's happening here. In chapter three, you have a story where Peter and John are going to the temple uh, to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. Uh, As they approach the temple, they see a man who was lame from birth. I don't want you to miss that. This man had this problem from birth. He was born this way. But through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, uh, he was transformed. God can transform anyone who is a certain way from the beginning of their life. He has the power to transform. And it, you know, it says uh, uh, he's asking for money. And Peter and John say, we don't have any gold and silver. But what we can give you is Jesus Christ. And then in the name of Jesus, stand up. And the man is healed. And it's because of his healing that that Peter and John are brought before the religious authorities because this man is healed in the name of Jesus. You see, anytime there is a movement of God, I want you to hear this, there are gonna be miracles. There are gonna be things that happen that nobody can explain. There's gonna be things that happen that people ridicule. But I believe that whenever the movement of God is active, there, there, there will be signs and wonders. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but signs and wonders, miracles. When Jesus was teaching and preaching, there were miracles. There were signs and wonders. When, when the disciples are preaching and teaching, there are signs and wonders. And I believe, again, the book of Acts is not just a history lesson. It's, it's, it's what God wants to do today. And where there is great movements of God, there are accompanying signs and wonders. Now, I want to say a thing about signs and wonders. We are not to seek signs and wonders. We are, to, we are not to ask to be the source of a sign and wonder. I don't believe we are asked to receive personally signs and wonders. I think we're to pray for signs and wonders to come and for God to move how God wants to move and move in ways that God wants to move. We don't try to manipulate it. We don't try to orchestrate it. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what only God can do. And we're praying for that to happen here today and in the movement that God is working at at Mount Horeb. I love what J.D. Walt, who writes for Seedbed, he wrote a thing about signs and wonders this week. He says, never make fun, belittle, or mock someone's experience with the Holy Spirit. Don't ridicule. Don't laugh it off. Don't say that person's crazy. Give the Holy Spirit the chance to work in someone's life, and then the Holy Spirit may well work in your life. Resist the compulsion, he says, to be a spiritual thrill seeker. Don't chase signs and wonders. Chase the power of God. Chase the presence of God. And when signs and wonders come, thank God, right? Um, Suspend your need to have a snap judgment um, uh, and say, what does this mean? When it comes to compassion and the movement of God, you, you need both of these qualities. I think when I look at Peter and John, I see two people that are tough and tender. 
tough under attack and tender with compassion. And if we're going to step up for Jesus Christ today, we're going to be tough. We're going to be resilient, but we got to be tender and see the needs of those around us that God wants to touch, that God wants to bless, and God wants to transform, and God wants to walk. Compassion and a great movement of God, we see it in the book of Acts, is contagious. It says uh, the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. We read in Acts chapter 2 that there were 3,000 new believers, and now there's 2,000 more added. And I just got to confess to you that I love this word about. I looked it up in like 20 different translations, and all translations use the word about. There were about 5,000. Why do I like that? Because I'm really bad at math, you know? And uh, so about's my favorite math word in the Bible. So I don't know what's going on here today in attendance, but I'm gonna guess, I probably shouldn't do that, but I'll guess there's close to 800 people here today, maybe maybe a couple thousand, I don't know, you know. But anyway, but about gives you some margin, you know? I, I like having a little margin in my math, you know? A little margin in my math, that's a new phrase I just made up on the fly. Margin in the math. Um, I think you, they flunk you for that, right, when you have margin in your math? But about 5,000 people. Histor- historians estimate there were about 100,000 believers in Jerusalem after the first six months. Can you imagine that? The movement grew from just a few, 120 in the upper room, to over 100,000 believers. That's contagious. Unstoppable growth despite unrelenting opposition. In his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan writes, when I read the book of Acts, I see the church as an unstoppable force. The church was powerful and spreading like wildfire. Not because of clever planning. You hear that, right? Not because of committee meetings. You hear that, right? But by a movement of the Holy Spirit. Riots, torture, poverty, all types of persecution couldn't stop it. And isn't that the type of church movement we all long to be part of? Amen? A movement of God that can't be stopped. Now, the other part of the movement of God is contagious, it's compassionate, but it's also done within a community. God is not calling us to be lone rangers. It says in verse 23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said, and then they go into worship. Movements of God are not done in isolation. They gather together to worship, to sing, to praise God. We gather here today in community, whether online or in person, to worship, to fellowship, to be generous. Some of you are serving. I love the blue shirts in the room. That means you served in in student ministry. I love people with red shirts on. That means you're a part of the welcome team. Um, And uh, people serving today, uh, this incredible production volunteers around us today, people serving, people coming here to be generous, people coming here to grow in community. But then all of this is about what? It's about us going. It's about going into the world and being a part of the movement of God, community. And then last of all, most important of all, this movement of God was consumed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit consumed this movement. Verses 29 and 31, and now, O Lord, this is the church praying after they came back together, and now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word, in speaking your word, in teaching your word, in sharing your word. Stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what happens? After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached, they shared, they taught the word of God with 
boldness. So church, it's time that we pray a prayer for boldness. Boldness, to be bold, speaking up about the word of God. There's, there's two interesting Greek words. I'm gonna try to tackle them real quickly because it's fascinating what happens here. Uh, the first word is uh, uh, pimply, uh, something like that, pimply, uh, which is the Greek word, which means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's the word used here in these verses, uh, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit to speak clearly. And, and in fact, the, the religious authorities were amazed that, that Peter and John were just ordinary men unschooled, uneducated, yet they were doing extraordinary things. Why? Because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit for that moment. So to be filled by the Holy Spirit, when you, it comes when you pray for boldness. When you, when, you say, when you step out and you say, can I pray with you? When you step out and say, can I tell you a story about Jesus Christ? When you step out and, and a person is distraught and you say, can I help you? in the name of Jesus. With that boldness comes an extraordinary filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, now, plero is another Greek word, which means to be full of the Holy Spirit. It is commanded for all believers to be full of the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to wild living, Ephesians says. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, be full of the Spirit. Have the character of Christ. Have the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, practice maturity, grow in your faith be a person that's full of the Spirit, but there are those moments when you step out and you step up that God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit to speak, to share, to serve, to do something beyond your imagination. It's a boldness, not rudeness. Hear that. It's confidence, not contempt. It's assurance, not arrogance. It's filled with the Holy Spirit to be confident, to be effective, to be fruitful, to be generous. So in just a moment, we're gonna have a prayer time to summon, not to summon the Holy Spirit, not to summon the Holy Spirit, but to surrender to the Holy Spirit. If we will yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will fill us. If we pray a prayer, Lord, make me bold. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit will fill us for the moment that we need to be bold. Over the last several months, as we have been on a journey as a church, as we stepped out in boldness to defend the Word of God, I felt the infilling of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, leading me. And you know, it's been times whenever I've been consumed by so many things, and yet when it come, came time to give a message, there was like manna from heaven that came down. And God filled me for the moment. Manna, you know, you didn't store it. You just enjoyed the moment, right? And the moment to have the experience of being filled by the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. God always comes through when we step out and we step up. He comes through every single time. So church, I want us to put that prayer on the screen. And I want to invite us to take an extended time of prayer. We've got extra minutes. I, I cut my sermon off early. We've got a little breathing time here. we got breathing room for the Holy Spirit to move. And I want us as a congregation to meditate for a few minutes on this prayer. And now, O oh Lord, 
hear their threats. Lord, hear their threats. Those who are going to ridicule us and even reject us. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What a powerful prayer it is for this church right now in this moment to pray this prayer. So let's bow our heads and let's spend just a few minutes together. I just want you to focus. You don't have to bow your heads. You can't read that if you bow your heads. You can just look right up at that screen there and pray with your eyes wide open. But just spend a few minutes with the Lord. Uh, church, let's do this collectively in community. It says they prayed together and the room was shaken. I don't know what that means. I've never been in a shaking room, but I'm open to it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in these moments, in these minutes, move and give us boldness. Boldness to, to stand. Boldness to speak. Boldness to share. Boldness to serve. Lord, your church needs boldness. Lord, forgive us for being timid and forgive us for being scared and forgive us for being more concerned about what people think about us than what you know about us. Gracious God, stretch out your hand across this church. Whether people are watching online right now or on this campus or in this room. Lord, stretch out your hand with signs and wonders. We yield to you, we surrender to you today. pray and you feel the Lord leading you to get up and come to the front, you can do that. The Lord is leading you to just give the person next to you a, a word of encouragement. Maybe somebody next to you needs to know today that God loves them. Whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, I want you to have the freedom to do that today. Lord, move in this room move in us and move through us. Lord, we invite you to shake us. Shake us out of our slumber. Shake us out of our apathy. Lord, I pray you would move in our lives. I pray for right now for a person who 
needs to know the power of this, your Holy Spirit to break a addiction. A person right now, Lord, that needs the movement of your Holy Spirit to bring healing to a relationship, to bring hope, to bring help. Lord, a person right now who is struggling what they're going to do with their life, that you would move in them through the Holy Spirit, that, that they would feel, know your call. We surrender to you. Not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. Not my way, Father, but your way. And for that person who's listening right now, who says, I don't feel anything. Lord, forgive us for thinking that you only move when we feel like it or we only feel you move. May we know that your word tells us if we will pray for boldness, you will move. When we step out, that you step up. Help us to know what we believe. And we know our feelings, they come and go. What we know never changes. Gracious God, I thank you for your, what you're doing right now in this place. I know you're not done. We invite you to continue. Lord, as we lift our voices in praise to you, a great song to sing together, Christ be magnified in me. Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be magnified in us. As we step out in boldness, not in, not in rudeness, not in arrogance, but in assurance. Lord, help us to glorify you, make you more famous. Lord, we ask for signs and wonders to be manifested in this place as we worship together. In Jesus' name we pray.